Oh my God, Patrick, do you love my earrings? Oh my God. Well, they're from Spooky Bean Shop on Etsy, and we have a promo code for 10% off. Use Weird Podcast at etsy.com slash shop slash Spooky Bean Shop for 10% off and get yourself a pair of the cute earrings too. And then we can be twins. Twinsies. Happy 4th of July! Ooh, fireworks! Uh, which is why we're recording this in the daytime. Daytime. Instead of at nighttime, which we normally record after 7, because and once the sun goes down here, which actually won't be till like 8 o'clock, um, it's going to get real fucking noisy outside. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, um, what you heard before was just sound effects. Those aren't ooh, yeah, here, do it again, do it again. Good? That's pretty good. That's really good. Um, so today's gonna be a fun little surprise episode. We were supposed to record a different episode, but somebody forgot that he was on the episode, and someone else texted Roxana asking her if she was ready for the podcast tonight, and she was like, No, that's supposed to be Patrick. And so uh we're we're not prepared for that episode. So coming in the near future, there will be a episode on zombies and real life zombies. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. Pat's coming with this story that he told me a little bit about. Totally forgot everything he said. That's good. That's good. Yeah. uh, So this will be a surprise (laughs) for me. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sip my water. Um, I have no alcohol right now because I'm horribly dehydrated um, from the past three days of not drinking water and working nonstop (laughs) at... Uh, the museum. Boop. Museum. Boop. 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 Museum. Why do the boops have different vowels? That's what. Boop. Boop. Oh my God, Christina knows if you're listening. That's Christina, she oh, knows. Man. Thank you, Christina, um, for your support. Not of, I mean, of the museum too, or the the boop 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 yeah. museum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a new one. It just came to Vegas. It's it's oh. it's very immersive. <laughs> All right, what are you talking about uh, today? What do we got? So speaking of the boop boop museum uh i was working there one day and for the people that know where we work you know congratulations for the people that don't know uh we work at a place that basically contains certain historical artifacts you know that may or may not be the mayor yeah some some that may how or do may I, not how be. do i say it some, are, some are just Here, artifacts though. i've said this before the odd the macabre the strange the weird the ancient the old the haunted and the cursed that's nice, how i put nice. it on my yeah. tour I stole that from one of the other tour guides at the Boop Boop Museum. All right. Shout out to Boop Boop. boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but they also, not all of them are, I mean, yeah, like strange and odd. Some are just strange and odd. Some are just artifacts, you know, that are kind of cool and interesting. Um, so, An oddities museum. Right, I guess so, yeah. Um, so I was working the box office one day, so we have to answer phone calls and you know, mostly it's just people wanting to buy tickets and stuff, but sometimes it's people wanting to 
donate artifacts or weird, creepy, or possessed mm-hmm. things. And sometimes um, it's uh, weird, psychotic fans or people who are like, my house is haunted. I am possessed by a demon. Yeah. And they're Exercise like, me. I, I, need, I need your boss to get here now. now. And then they'll like <laughs> ask me for his phone number. And I'm like, that's give me not his personal exactly something we <laughs> that's do, not... you know? They'll be like, no. fine. Well, maybe just, just give me his address. I'll just go by his place. Like, yeah, that's a good right idea. Now? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes we get people that um, really do, do, or just um, sometimes they're like moving or something, or they're, just getting old and they're sick of holding on to this certain thing and they know our boss would appreciate it or they're trying to sell it uh which is frequent um but the other day this guy called in uh talking about john swift's silver mine uh as if i was supposed to know what it was and i didn't and i honestly was like oh it's another crazy person at first you know because we get more more of those phone calls come in than the other um, so I was like, okay, weird, you know? So he tells me this story. Um, but after, after looking it up afterwards, obviously I'll tell you about it. Um, and it turns out it's this big, huge fucking conspiracy that I should have known about. Um, <laughs> but, but so this guy, he lives in Kentucky and he claims to have, um, the location of John Swift's silver mine. And like I said at the time, I don't know what he's talking about. So I'm like, okay, well, tell me about I mean, it. You don't know? be so hard on yourself. You can't know everything. No, no, exactly. Yeah, I had these, so I had this guest uh, say, oh, now I can't even remember what the family was. But they're like, we knew this family. And I was like, looking at them like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I just literally just mentioned Truman Capote and In Cold Blood. And apparently it's the family in the book In Cold Blood, which I've never read. Uh, and apparently In Cold Blood is about a murder mystery, which will be on. No, it is. But I didn't know it was based on a true story. True story. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, we were friends with this family. But I'm like such a good tour guide that I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Like, that's crazy. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's really interesting, you know. Like, you know, I'm convincing enough that I act like I know what they're talking about because mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, I don't, I don't care. No, yeah, that, you don't want to you know, do that, yeah. But you got to, you got to, yes and a little bit um, enough to make them feel validated, but also not um, get them going too long because then you have to move to the next room. But, uh, but yeah, you, don't be so hard on yourself. You don't know, what do you mean you don't know all the conspiracy no. theories? I'm not, I'm not being hard on myself, but I'm also kind of like, uh, after looking it up, it, se- it seemed like more popular. Like, I don't know. It seemed like it would have crossed my eyes before now. You know, like, I feel like I should have heard about this. <laughs> crossed now. your, sorry. Crossed, you know, like when I'm looking through those microfiche <laughs> things at the library, like... <laughs> doing my research. <laughs> All right. John Cliff. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, he claims to know the location of the John Swift silver mine. So I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me about it. So it uh, turns out um, uh, he's, he, and I might be getting this wrong because I can't remember specifically now, but he claimed his like mom or aunt was like related to a person that may have befriended um, uh, somebody that owned John Swift's, John, uh, sorry, John Swift's journal. Um, and that's a big thing as well. That's a big conspiracy too, because we'll find out later about the journal itself is also, um, you know, you know, a 
possibly reproduce thing, you know, like somebody there's Pancho there's there's se- there's several versions of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So where was I? Sorry, I'm getting lost in my own thoughts. Okay. Let's um, pause. Do you need to do something with this cord here? No, yeah, because just, if you touch just, it one more I, time, I'm going to slap it all right, in. All right. Sorry. I just keep thinking <laughs> Please it's leave that cut. in the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, he claims to be related, uh, or his aunt is related to somebody that may have befriended somebody that owned the journal or something, mm-hmm. you know, and they supposedly had some relation to John Swift as far as like family relations. But this is like, uh, goes back really, really far. So he also claims that, um, he, he went and, uh, found the, the mine, but he didn't really get to go into it, but he had, he had heard of his family or friends or others conducting rituals and seances in the mine, you know? Um, and, of course, where we work, like we get spooky and haunted items. So obviously, you know, we get that's why he was calling because he wanted to donate these um, tapes and stuff. He had recordings of these seances and stuff, and and he apparently, um, you know, knew the history of the mines and the re- it was apparently attached to the reason they were conducting seances in there. Um, so he wanted to basically sell or get rid of our that stuff to our boss. And he also claimed that he, because we usually tell them, like, to email us whatever information mm-hmm. you have. <clears throat> that way, our boss can look through it and be like, okay, this is valid. I'm going to investigate it further or, mm-hmm. you know, contact this person. But he told me that he's basically going blind now. And this was after he went to the mines, he claims, that this he started losing his vision. So he, only, he can only really do is operate the phone. And he's like, he's like, unfortunately, my voicemail's messed up too. So he's like, just please keep calling me, you know, if I'm not there, you know, I, there, there, you can't leave a message, unfortunately. He's like, but yeah. uh, he's like, I'll try and be here as much as possible. So I'm like, okay, you know, like, see what I can do. You know, I mean, that's just kind of like the basic thing we're supposed to tell everybody because we can't, you know, obviously we shouldn't treat everybody like they're super crazy or super valid you know you want to and like, we can't guarantee that our boss is gonna exactly call back or have there's the time how, or... yeah we we both know that you know there's hundreds of people that do it on a daily basis so that is a lot of stuff to go through he's like santa claus for paranormal shit for these people you know like that yeah. it's you're sending a lot of letters to somebody that's yeah you're probably not gonna he's probably not gonna be able to read all of them and but so I, I kind of was like, okay, that's interesting. And then later in the, on the day, I was still running the box office. Um, and I just decided, hey, I'm going to look it up. So it turns out it's this huge conspiracy. Uh, and before I get into it, I, of course, got my information from Wikipedia. Um, an article called The Strange Case of Jonathan Swift and the Real Long John Silver. And a, another article by James A. Doherty, which was labeled the legend of john swift silvermine a geographical approach to the legends of silvermine uh, which kind of goes into more of like um the surveys they conducted into the mine and whether or not silver even existed um and of course uh yeah i already said wikipedia anyway i also got this from historicalblindness.com which apparently is a blog that the odd past podcast does which i've listened to before a long time ago um really cool like they yeah. did some really cool stuff on there. Historical blindness. Historical what is that? blindness.com. It's just a pyramid with a little 
um, thing across the like Blind across folds. the top of it. Blindfold, sorry. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, they had a lot of cool stuff on there. But it seemed like a podcast I need to listen to, listen to more often. Um, so the first of these tales is in in Kentucky in the late 18th century. Apparently, a pioneer by the name of Dooley Townsend is out one day setting traps by the Red River when a band of lost and starving men uh, come upon him desperate for food and water and direction to get somewhere. Uh, Townsend apparently helps them, but one man, uh, who is an old blind man, is far too gone and dies with Townsend at his bedside. Uh, Then he, of course, gives to Townsend his only possession of value, a journal. Uh, and this story, well, obviously revolves around the journal, like I was telling you before. There's another apparent origin of the story, um, which is actually in 1934, which is a prospector named Earl P. Dorr swore an affidavit regarding the discovery of a cavern and underground river beneath Cocoa Weef Mountain in the Joshua Tree region of the Mojave Desert. So a little bit, you know, further distance from Kentucky. Mm. Uh, a dad, but... yeah so this is already like it's already the the, the myth is already spread you yeah. know so, but this is 1934 so this is much later on you'll mm-hmm. find out later that this this uh this was dating back to late 1870 late 1700s so that this story has had tons of time to develop into separate myths and other stories or other origins apparently um, so his story unfolded like this. Uh, so three Native American brothers, the Payserts, that's P-E-Y-S-E-R-T-S. I didn't look that up. I should have. Uh, had been hired to work on his father's ranch in the 1890s. During the first three years of the 20th century, the brothers went in search of the mother load that tribal legend told was secreted beneath cocoa weed. And apparently they did find it. After discovering the entrance to a vast cavern system and exploring its passages, they came upon a chamber where an underground river lapped against virgin black sand, sparkling with placer gold. Uh, the Pacers took what they could, but before they left, the waters rose in a sudden tidal influx and drowned one of them. So out of superstition, they never returned to the cavern that had claimed their brother's life. But they did tell Earl Dor of about the cavern and the river of gold. And according to Dor's affidavit, claimed he had gone on to find it. But after the cavern's entrance was seen by two other prospectors, he blasted it to keep them from taking the gold themselves. And after that, he was unsuccessful at finding another entrance. Mm. So just, he was that greedy that he didn't want, he just blasted the whole shot. Mm-hmm. Um, several discrepancies are found in, in his affidavits because apparently he had like three different ones and there was several discrepancies in his story. Um, and they apparently this, his story was also extremely similar to a book that came out a year earlier about lost minds. Um, so it's, you know, take it or leave it, but Earl Dorr's river of gold was even featured on the classic show unsolved mysteries. Yeah. I watched that episode. Yeah, right? yeah. I totally watched <laughs> yeah, that episode. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I watch it every single night. <laughs> yeah, every yeah, that's, night. That's I would fall asleep. asleep watching that i know i know that yeah uh and for you that don't know uh that's uh it's on amazon uh episode four of season six where robert stack tells the story of one wally spencer who claimed to have found doors river and believed the government was conspiring against him bugging his house to find the river's location and take the water's rights for themselves 
Uh, apparently, even today, there exists a mining operation at Cocoa Reef Mountain that has sworn to its shareholders for years that they were the very they were very near striking the mountain's legendary mother load. Okay, well, how would you know well, if you like, were near? We were so close. So I close swear to gold. God, please keep investing in our company. We could smell the gold. We in were the like, air. <laughs> you, could, you could just feel it. You guys don't even know. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, all right, all right. So, so all right, getting back to like Wikipedia, where we can kind of explain more about it. Um, the legend of Swift's silver mine is based on accounts given in the journal of an Englishman named Jonathan Swift. Swift claimed to have preceded Daniel Boone into Kentucky, uh, coming into the region in 1760 on a series of mining expeditions. The, the journal recounts how a wounded bear led Swift to a vein of silver ore in a cave. Isn't this so, uh, uh, Joseph Smith? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like a wounded bear led yeah. me to a vein of silver ore. Uh, and how that for the next nine years, he made annual treks back to the site of the mine, carrying out silver bars and minted coins. An article in an 1886 edition of Harper's Magazine tells how Swift supposedly buried a good deal of the treasure at various locations. Uh, Swift said he made silver in large quantities, burying some $30,000 in crowns on a large creek, $15,000 a little way off, near some trees, which were duly marked, a prize of $6,000 close by the fork of a white oak, and $3,000 in the rocks of a rock, in the rocks of a rock house. All which, in the light of these notes, it is allowed anyone will, who will to hunt for. So, basically, a bunch of, go, a bunch of treasure has been buried in various locations for all these adventurers to find. Get, get off on, yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> yeah. not find. Or not find, exactly, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's just so funny how they're like specifically like, one is here and one is here and one is here and one is here. I don't know. It's just, I guess you probably do want to split it up, but it's also like, I don't know. It's, it just seems like somebody made this. Um, yeah. Later, amid numerous obstacles that included Indian attacks and a mutiny by his crew, Swift walled up the cave and discontinued his mining operation. He left his journal in the possession of a Mrs. Renfro the widow of Joseph Renfro of a Beans Station, Tennessee. Of, sorry, of Beans Station, Tennessee. That's the town. Like our last name? Yep. Right? We gotta go to Beans Station. Right, yeah. And check it out. And then we'll get the silver mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, sorry. The widow of Joseph Renfro of Beans Station, Tennessee, in whom he was purported to have a romantic interest. I think that's the, the romantic interest that guy was talking about. You know, mm. that he was related to basically John Swift's um, lady romantic friend. lady friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All um, right. Because I don't think he was married or anything, but, you know, it wasn't like a conspiracy or anything. But yeah. Yeah. I don't, they weren't like uh, married. They didn't, these two weren't married. She was married, I think, actually. Never mind. Sorry. To someone else? Yeah, to Joseph. Andrew, yeah. Oh, wait. No, no. Yeah, he was the widow. Jo- yeah, Joseph Renfro had passed away. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but before Swift could return to the mine, he was stricken blind and was unable to locate it again. Which, as I said before, this guy had just told me that he was blind and couldn't answer, couldn't do emails anymore mm-hmm. after going to the mine. I don't know if he dropped it in there because he knows the legend of the story and he thought that would be cool. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To say, like, I'm also blind, but even just like John Swift, mm. you know, just to make it more believable. I, I can't say that. I don't know the guy. He did seem pretty genuine on the phone, which 
uh, I could say I've answered a lot of those weird phone calls, and you can kind of tell right off the bat which ones are not genuine, but maybe yeah. like maybe they just need to go talk yeah. to somebody. <laughs> I mean, we get that a lot at the museum where people will tell us stories, and then people will tell some stories. You right, know, yeah, uh, like the guy who sold Jeffrey Dahmer acid. Um, I don't know if I've told that no, story yeah, on the podcast, the podcast before, but, yeah, I but I'm not talking about acid like the drug. I'm talking about acid like to break down bodies for taxidermy. This guy literally came in and said that he worked in chemical retail and he's had a normal life his whole life. And then one day Jeffrey Dahmer comes in and asks for an exorbitant amount of uh, acid to break down his uh animals for taxidermy (laughs) and his boss approved it and sold it to him and this guy's telling me this story and he's like i never had an interest in true crime or anything like that till that day and now i'm fascinated by this stuff and he kind of used being interested in true crime as like a coping method for the guilt that he did feel which he did and he says that he meets with people who all had encounters with jeffrey dahmer once a year and they talk about it and they kind of use it as uh, th- therapy to talk about it, That's you know, cool. and everything. They seemed really sane, you know. And then I've had some people tell me, like, some uh, uh, crazy stuff that I just have to be like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and everything. But, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, and that's 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 so, that's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so <clears throat> there are obviously, I mean, variations in the story. Like I said before, the those two first two stories they had forty years separate of origins, mm-hmm. and maybe four thousand miles mm-hmm. <laughs> distance from Kentucky to the Mojave Desert. Um. So, uh, after looking it up, I noticed there was a couple of uh campsites in kentucky because like i said this this it's a huge legend in kentucky specifically Mm -hmm. you know so there's a couple campsites that label themselves as like the you know the the john swift campsite you know john swift mines campsite Mm -hmm. campground none of them had like a you know this is definitely where john swift was you know it was just like kind of like a Mm -hmm. they're playing with it i guess you know the idea and like it's fun or whatever However, uh, so there is a historical marker in Compton or Campton, Kentucky, um, reputed to be one of the Swift campsites. Uh, settlers in Wise County, Virginia, believe that the mine was located on or around Stone Mountain, and that local Indians knew the location of the mine. According to the settlers, an Indian chief named Ben J or Ben Gay, like B E N G E, would that be Ben Gay? Benji, Benji, Let's say Benji. Benji. Yeah, Benji. That sounds insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Named Benji. <laughs> Benji. Yeah, let's go with that. Once said that if the pale face knew what he knew, they could shoe their horses cheaper with silver than with iron. They maintained that a captured settler named Hans G. Frenchman was taken to the mine by the Indians. He marked its location and later escaped his captors and revealed the location of the mine to Swift. In this version of the story, Swift and Frenchman took only enough silver to buy two horses and on a return trip were unable to locate the mine. Another variation along these lines holds that Swift was taken to the mine by a Frenchman, uh, another Frenchman named Monday, or his name was 
M-O-N-D-E, but it was like Monday. Monday. Monday, you know, but apparently Monday is what they're calling it. Uh, In this version, Swift and Monday are driven from the mine by an Indian attack, and Swift kills Monday for fear that he will reveal the location of the mine to others. Another, you can't, if I can't have it, no one can have it. Mm Mm-hmm. Later, when Swift attempts to return to the mine, Monday's hand covers the compass so he cannot tell which direction to proceed. Solomon Mullins, or Money Making Soul, was rumored to have discovered Swift mines near Pine Mountain in southwest Virginia. Solomon lived in what was then known as Holly Creek, but is now Clintwood, Virginia. Solomon melted the silver down and used one of his slaves to strike for him, meaning uh, when you heat up a hammer and in basically to, to create the, the imprint on the coin mm-hmm. to make coins. Um, I mean, basically he was doing this illegally as well, of course, uh, the coin being harder than the softened head, the hammer, um, which, you know, so it imprints it, but, uh, to finish the process or to imprint the counterfeit coins with official markings, uh, soul and his slave would relocate the privacy afforded by caves located on cliffs adjacent souls farm. To this day, the cliffs are known as Soul's Cliffs. According to local legend, Solomon's counterfeit money used more silver and was worth more than the official currency of the time. Uh, apparently, Soul mixed pure silver with other lesser, lesser metals to make his money. Solomon never disclosed where he obtained the pure silver, but many people speculated that he found the silver in one of the many caves on Pine Mountain close to his farm. Once Solomon was caught by a U.S. detective while at work in the cliffs, reportedly... Realizing his predicament, he ordered the man to help with his work, saying, grab a hammer and strike this. He hoped the action, if taken, would make the detective complicit, regardless of the story's veracity. It didn't <laughs> do Sol any good, obviously. Uh, but in early 1837, Solomon and two of his ten children, Peter and Spencer, were brought to trial and were charged with making counterfeit coins. He was found guilty, uh, but he fled Virginia before even being sentenced and reportedly died in 1858. And he never revealed, revealed the location of his source of the silver. Each year in Wolf County, Kentucky, there is a Swift Silver Mine Festival in the county seat of Campton, Kentucky, where locals believe the mine may be located near Swift Creek. Hmm. Um, so there's been several expeditions. Uh, John Filson is the first person known to have referenced the mine following Swift's, de- Swift's death. Swift's, Swift's death. Swift's. Jesus. Swift's. Right? Yeah. <laughs> death in 1788 <laughs> filson claimed that a tract of land supposed to have included a silver mine worked by a certain man named swift filson disappeared taking with him uh with him any knowledge he may have had as to my the mine's location kentucky pioneer james harrod may also have believed in swift silver mine according to his wife a man named bridges claimed to have found the mine and asked harrod for help in developing it despite the fact that Herod and Bridges had a dispute over land some previous years. These two, these two and another man entered the wilderness of Kentucky in 1792, uh, apparently in search of the mine. Herod did not return from the trip, and although his body was never found, his wife maintains that Bridges had used the story of the mine to lure him into the woods to murder him. Jeez. <laughs> Right? That's, right? That's pretty smart. <laughs> right? I know, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we found the mine. We just need somebody else to help me like produce it, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's some it, like heavenly but, creatures shit there. Because they had like a disagreement years before, you know, about yeah. some like but apparently he man, dude held a grudge. 
That's brilliant, though, right? Uh, when wow. Judge John Haywood was working on a history of the area around Clear Creek in Kentucky, he observed two ancient furnaces that he believed may have been used by Swift. Uh, and I, I looked into that, too, because the the ancient furnaces, like, they were actually of the time. Because, obviously, to make these coins, because he was apparently mining the silver and making the coins in the same area. So he would need a giant or, or a furnace of the time that could heat up the hammer so he could strike the coins, mm-hmm. you know? So, the but apparently, yeah, the ovens that were found were of the time. So that is mm-hmm. that is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. why why else would you need a superheated oven down there? Like I mean, maybe to cook things, but that would you wouldn't need you just need regular fire like for that. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1854, Professor David Dale Owens was dispatched to Bell County, Kentucky, and this is part of a geological survey. Um, Owen examined a location reputed by the locals to be the site of Swift Silver Mine. Guided by an explorer named Benjamin Herndon, Owen examined the area and found that it contained some accidental minerals of sparingly disseminated, uh, uh, basically zinc and lead and a couple other things. Um, Owen's survey did not find any significant deposits of silver ore in the area, but that was just the area they said that you know it might be in, to give them credit. Uh, geological evidence does cast doubt on the existence sorry, existence of Swift's silver mine. In two centuries, subsequent mining and excavation of the area claimed to have contained the mine have not yielded a single vein of silver ore. Skeptical writer Joe Nickel pointed out that there are numerous versions of the journal upon which the legend of Swift's silver mine is based. The best known and most complete of these contains portions plagiarized from a history of Kentucky dating later than the supposed time frame of the journal itself. Uh, because this version is filled with references to Freemasonry, Freemasonry and moral illusions, some historians dismiss the entire tale as allegory. Because, mm. yeah, when it's when you when you put time frames that weren't even around, you know, at yeah. the time, then, then you've lost pretty much all credibility. Um, there is the question of Swift himself. No proof exists that there ever was a John or Jonathan Swift who mined silver in Kentucky. Uh, however, James Doherty gives alternate first names of George, William, and Tom. Uh, the man many considered to be the Jonathan Swift of the legend is known to have been alive many years after the reported death of, of him. He was supposedly just faked his death. Uh, nothing is known of the man's ancestry, and what little is known about him personally has been handed down through tradition, so it's all a game of phone. If the birth date given in Swift's journal is to be believed, the known Swift would have been an incredible 112 years old at the time of his death. So, yeah. I mean, 1700s, no one was living to 112. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, and you also seemed like you were a minor in like a lot of unsafe conditions and stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't buy that you lived to 112. Yeah, that should be more of the conspiracy. Is like, is he was he a demon? Was he Methuselah? Uh, right, yeah. Uh, so if there was an actual Jonathan Swift, uh, there's also a disagreement as to his character. Tradition holds that he was an established Indian trader, but some historians came to believe that he was a pirate who preyed on Spanish merchants and made his frequent trips into the wilderness not to retrieve his treasure, uh, treasure but to hide and coin it. Which actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, a resident of Laurel County, Kentucky, named William Reams held that, held that following Swift's visit to the mine in 1769, which should be a riddle, 
The last trip recorded <laughs> in the journal, he and his accomplices agreed not to claim any of the treasure they had hidden in the area until 1790. When they did return, Swift was overcome by the sight of the wealth and killed the other members of the party while they slept. Following this action, he was struck blind and unable to recover the treasure. Nickel contends that the pirate theory raises more questions than it answers. He contends that a journey into Kentucky was a dangerous undertaking and that Swift could just as easily set up a clandestine coining operation in the backwoods of Virginia or aboard his ship. He also questions why Swift would take the time to produce such a detailed journal to cover his story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a pirate. I think right about now. that. Right, yeah, exactly. I didn't think about that till right now. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Huh. Sounds like a bad idea. Like keeping all that evidence of yeah. how I did this. But it's like it's like when the villain at the end gives away his entire plan. His monologue. Right yeah, exactly. before he kills yeah. the the hero, the hero. You know. Yeah. yeah. So there is an old Indian story which supposedly confirms the existence of silver in the same land our story takes place. This one gets interesting, too. Uh, So there was a young man, probably just past adulthood, who lived in the mountains with his mother and little brother. The young man fancied himself a hunter and refused to give in to any of his worries. While hunting one day, the man met the daughter of an Indian chief old enough to be a woman. The young man and woman fell for each other, but the chief didn't want his daughter to marry a a poor country boy. Instead, her father desired she married an officer in the army at the nearby port. Angry because he had lost the love of his life, the young man continued back home, taking respite by a creek and rock to hydrate. While resting, the man accidentally turned over rock on the edge of an overhang, where he saw the rock glistening below him. The young man quickly recognized the shiny rock as silver ore and fought it. He came back to the chief trying to gain to marry, trying again to marry his daughter, and the chief obliged this time because the young man offered to share the location of the silver with him. The two being happy about the dowry went their separate ways. However, when the young man came back to visit his young love, found that the chief had hanged his head, sorry, had changed his mind and wouldn't allow it got dark real quick there. (laughs) Changed his mind. Don't worry. It still gets dark Uh, and wouldn't allow the man to marry his daughter. The chief again promised her to the officer furious beyond measure. The young man asked to speak with the chief. One thing led to another and the young man had killed the chief by way of rock. (laughs) I love how that's put. Yeah. (laughs) Even though the young Indian woman loved the young man, she could not reconcile the fact that she had to live without her father from now on. In a desperate attempt to find love and protect herself from grief, the Indian woman and and white man traveled back to the overhanging rock, held each other's hands tight, and leaped off, writing their story into the hills of the Appalachian Mountains. Right? Isn't that crazy? Romeo and Juliet. Right? By way of rock. Yeah. Yeah. President George Washington, with the help of Jonathan Jonathan Swift and friends, secretly mined the silver ore. This is also another story. Uh, And attempted to persuade another country to come to their aid in the Revolutionary War. That country happened to be France. The entire mining operation turned into a massive pitch to sway General Lafayette of France into sending aid and troops to America in exchange for the precious silver ore. And it worked. Lafayette came to our aid, and we eventually won the war on the backs of American and French soldiers. That was an interesting conspiracy when I heard that. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, crazy. There are a lot of George Washington stories, conspiracy though, though yeah, that right, don't yeah. exactly sound true. Mm-hmm. You know, we could get into that about how there were a lot. there's a lot of propaganda behind, you know. No, we should, a, do, a, oh, we should, like, we should do a George Washington episode. George right? Washington, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. 
So no one knows whether the legend of Swiss Silver Mine is fact or fiction, but there are real records of a man uh, by the name of Swift buying up land in Kentucky. Not we, we talked about earlier that there was no silver or operation being run by a Swift at the time, but apparently one did have land in Kentucky at least. Uh, there is also evidence that Swift's signature was used on Washington's request for pallbearers. Anecdotal evidence exists that suggests silver ore had been found near the Appalachian Mountains, which is what I just said in the, in the Indian story. Um, so yeah, that's John Swift's silver mine. It's still an ongoing conspiracy, and apparently there's campgrounds where you can go and hang out by some of the supposed entrances. Yeah. You can go and look for yourself and try to find some silver. There's a lot of people out there. I bet there are like yeah, groups there's, out there. There's that still people still that yeah, still search, like there was you know? there was a lot of websites that I found that I didn't mention because they were um how do I put this? I don't know. They were on like the fringe. They were fringe. Yeah, they were they were just like they even warned me like this is not a <laughs> this is not a safe website. <laughs> uh <laughs> No, like, you know, ones that are just like, maybe not more about the tale, you know, and, and the legend, you know, and it is interesting because like, there is a journal about it. And like, I mean, you could say the Bible's a journal. You yeah. Know, when, you, when you think about it, you know, like this is someone writing down what, what they thought were or supposedly what they found. And we did, Lewis and Clark had a journal, you know, they needed that to make sure to map out, you know, everything, everything you know, or to document new plants, species, animals, yeah. stuff like that. Like journals did need to be used, you know, and like whether or not he found this or not, or, or whether it's real or not, you know, it's like, I, I think it, I think the legend itself is fun. And that's, I think that's cool because obviously Kentucky kind of, kind of needs that, you know, like not needs that, but like, they they use that a little bit, you know, but it's also yeah, like the every, Appalachian Mountains are crazy. Like every huge, state like. has their, you know, their folklore, their tale, right, their yeah. legends, you mm -hmm. know, um, and yeah, that's just that's weaved into our American history, mm -hmm. you know. And like, yeah, we may never know, you know, or I mean, or you, or it may be there, but there was a landslide, and it'll never be discovered. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you know, there's there's or. Or, or it's just a fun tale to tell, but, you know, may have been a different story at the time. But, like, yeah, 1760s, that's a long time. That's a, that's yeah. a, that's a long time for the phone game to play on, and that, that that's definitely going to get distorted no matter what. I love how earlier you said game of phone. Phone. I was so like, I said, oh, is that hilarious. game I, of phones. I, I didn't even mean to do it We like should that. totally that's make a <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, game of phone. <laughs> oh that was God. that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was interesting. Yeah. 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 So I really hope our boss takes it up on takes takes him up on Mr. that. Mr. I, Mr. I told I, I told our manager about it, but and he's he's. I mean, it was it was interesting because the blindness thing is is why I thought it would be interesting to be to be pretty, to be honest, you know. Because our our boss had an experience had a, similar I had experience that caused uh his eyes to have damage mm -hmm. yeah so uh, I, I and now that's he rocks really cool glasses like right. uh you know like some of us right yeah who wear <laughs> awesome glasses my eyesight is not from anything paranormal though <laughs> it is just from growing up and getting older but that is fine that too fine. it's cool it's cool um you know I don't have any silver mines or anything. I don't have any silver mines, no. 
But yeah, that yeah. no, that was a really cool story. Yeah, right. It's a, um, I, I wonder if anybody will find anything more about that. But the whole like <laughs> the bear thing is what really killed me. That was like, oh my god, like a wounded bear. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, I'm dying. But let's go check out this treasure real quick. I'm gonna point out this treasure. <laughs> I don't know what I thought like of in like Shakespeare. I don't know what story it is in Shakespeare where there's a character that's a bear. I think it's like King Lear or something. But I imagined like a guy in a bear costume, like <laughs> as like I don't know why. When you said wounded bear, I just imagined like this bear like lurking off, you know, like when you see plays where yeah, I don't know why. Like like the bears like doing human and uh, like 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 pointing to where the mine is. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Pat, for that story. Um, that was, and thanks, random phone caller to the yeah, right. I Be- I... Beep Boop Bop Museum. I, I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote his name down, but I probably shouldn't. We probably say shouldn't it. say his name. No. Yeah. If you want, if you hear this. And you want your name credited, we can edit it in in the future. That's, Random caller. That's true. But no, we shouldn't use his, his name. Oh. Oh man. Pay, what? I forgot. Also he um like he are he did say it was haunted. He I told you about the seance tapes, right? Yeah. Uh, he also said that he's his um he went the last time he went there, he went with like a friend or maybe it was his aunt. I can't remember that specifically. But he said that afterwards that they couldn't stop speaking French, and they'd never spoke any other language but English, you know, ever. But for like a day or something, they just spoke nothing but French. And mm-hmm. remember, the French guy was like part of the story too, you know. Yeah. But like that's another thing that like I don't know how much he knows about the story, so I don't want to like j- dive too much into that, you know. Like yeah. If he's using that to kind of bring to make to make the story seem more legit. You know, but like I said, he seemed he seemed super genuine about yeah. it, and he seemed like he really just wanted to get rid of this stuff so that it, yeah, so it gets maintained because that's the worst part about history is it's written by the winners most of the time. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about, and like now we're finding out about now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of suppression other cultures have had just in America that we're finding out about now is ridiculous. But like, yeah, so just getting just if you have any information you know about this historical stuff it's kind of sucks because unless you have a museum or a storage unit that's going to live on for after Ever, you, yeah. forever you know like which doesn't exist and like know? thanks it's, to the internet now though a lot of stuff is getting talked about mm-hmm. you know so uh you know that's yeah that's cool you know if anybody on that note if anybody listening has more information about this story or anything similar we absolutely love being emailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so please let us know if you have anything to add yeah. to this story or anything anything that we've done a podcast on. That's so true, yeah. you can yeah. email us at hollywoodshaunted at gmail.com. Um, even if you're listening to my weird little podcast right now, yeah, yeah, you can true, yeah. email us at that uh, as well. Um, I don't know if we have an email for my weird little podcast at gmail. Don't email that. <laughs> I think we did. 
do, but I don't know. Oh, no. I haven't well, checked it in a while. Uh, <laughs> um, you can write us on the Instagrams, too, or on Facebook as well, if you have any of that information. You can, you know where to find us. You can find mm. us at the Beep Boop Pop Museum. <laughs> nice. uh, right back. Yeah. No, please don't find us there. Please do not come to our work. Do not do, <laughs> do, not, not do that. Do not bother Beep Boopins. Except for Christina, you can come to work. Yeah, always. Yeah. Of course. We'll see you. Um, so, like, share, subscribe. Uh, this has been both podcasts. You know what you're listening to. Uh, email us at HollywoodsHaunted at gmail.com. Dot com. Watch my TikToks, my weird little podcast TikToks, and stay spooky, creep it real, um, and happy Fourth of July, America. Uh.